Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Colossians chapter number 3. And we're going to read simply verse number 23. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. I want to talk to you today about the secret sauce. The secret sauce. Father, we thank you for your incredible, your infallible, your miraculous word. God, I just pray today the anointing again will rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll give us ears upon our hearts today to hear your word. But God, I pray we will not only be hearers of your word, but but we will be doers of your word as well. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Hey, you can be reseated this morning. Well, the definition of the term secret sauce, according to Merriam-Webster, is an element, quality, or practice that makes something or someone successful or distinctive. Now, McDonald's claims to have a special sauce in their Big Mac. Help me out this morning. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Jack in the Box makes the same claim, claiming it Jack's secret sauce. There's a host of other companies that claim to have this special secret sauce as well. For Chick-fil-A, it's in their dip. Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken claimed 11 original herbs and spices. And the list goes on and on and on. Well, this morning I want to talk about the secret sauce in the fulfilling life. How many of you this morning, you would like to live a satisfying, fulfilling life? Let me ask you this this morning. What? Why do some people seem to go skipping through life and and others seem to go through life singing the blues? Why are some seemingly always happy and some sad? Some glad and some mad. I believe that there are many ingredients that are necessary in order to create a fulfilling life. And hear me this morning, being committed to Jesus is a no-brainer, and I'm taking it for granted that you already know that. So what I'm talking about this morning, I'm talking very practical this morning. So, So what is the secret sauce in a fulfilling life? What is that one thing that stands out and is is an absolute key ingredient? Now let me just say that when you preach your sermon... You can tell us what you think it is. But this morning, it's my turn, all right? I believe that the secret sauce in a fulfilling life is passion. Say passion. Passion. See, See, I believe it is absolutely impossible to be totally fulfilled without passion. But I want you to understand what I'm talking about this morning. When I'm talking about passion... I'm talking about being excited. I'm talking about about being enthusiastic about something. I'm talking about having a positive attitude and outlook on life and in some particular things in life. 
So in order you think I'm just giving you some kind of self-help thing this morning, let me, let me remind you of our scripture for today. It's found in Colossians 3 and 23. The, the New King James Version says, whatever you do, say whatever. whatever. Paul says, whatever you do, do it heartily. Say heartily. Do it heartily, do it as unto the Lord and not to man. Williams' translation says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Phillips' translation says, put your whole heart and soul into it. Weymouth's translation says, whatever you are doing, let your hearts be in your work. So what is Paul talking about here? I believe that he's talking about passion. So I believe that some of you here this morning, some of you have lost your passion. Maybe you have lost passion for your marriage. Maybe, maybe you have lost passion for your ministry. Maybe you've lost passion for your master. No wonder you are singing the blues instead of skipping through life. I believe that passion is the secret sauce in a fulfilling Life. All right, this morning I want to I share three things about, about passion. And the first I want us to begin with, I want us to begin by talking about the fuel of passion. Say fuel. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20, he said, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So wood is the fuel that keeps a fire Going. Let me ask you this morning, what is the fuel that keeps passion burning in our lives? Well, I want to suggest three things this morning. First of all, right people. Oh, here he is going on this again. Yeah, and I do, and I even think about that. Come on again, but I have to say it because it is so vital. It is so important, and I can't even preach on passion without talking about this. So here we go again. I'll try and be really limited in what I say here. We've got to have right people. I simply cannot overstate the importance of having the right people in our life. Because, you see, some people drive us and some people drain us. I like what somebody said. Somebody said, don't place the key to your happiness in somebody else's pocket. Now, I want you to know that I love everybody. I do. I genuinely love Everybody, and I want to tell you that I will make time for anyone. I have time for anyone. Anyone that needs me can get me. I, I love people. I, I love everybody. I will make time for anyone and for, for everyone. But I also want you to know that I'm very selective with who I'm going to choose to hang out with. And who I'm going to allow into my inner circle. And Jesus taught me this. Just study his life and study his ministry. And you will notice that he was very selective with who he hung out with. See, I choose to hang out with people that drive me, not drain me. I want to hang out with people that, that energize me. I want, I want to hang out with people that believe in me. People who share my values. People, people who are passionate about life, not pessimistic. Here's what I know, and that is right people fuel my passion. Notice another thing that, that fuels our passion, and that is right perspective. See, there's more than one way to view something. See, see some people look at a situation and they see all of the reasons why it can't be done. 
While others look at this very same situation and they see all of the reasons why it has to be done. Here's a thought this morning. It's very deep. Wherever you are, be there. Wherever you are, be there. Because you see, some people are never present because they are always looking for the next thing. Whether that be the next relationship, the next job, the next ministry opportunity, they can't maintain passion for where they are or who they are with because they're not really there. Because in their mind and in their thoughts and in their actions, they have already moved on. Wherever you are, be there. Be there. See the potential that is all around you instead of longing for the green grass that is across the fence. Because what you need to understand is the reason why the grass is greener on the other side of the fence is because that grass has been better taken care of than your grass. And the fact of the matter is, if you would work as hard on your grass as your neighbor has worked on his grass, your grass would look like his grass. So a right perspective is to be thankful for what you have and develop a a desire to make something out of it. Well, I was on vacation for 30 days. I wasn't just vacationing, but I was also spending most of my mornings with the Lord, reading His Word, studying His Word, talking to the Lord in prayer. And in my 30-day 30, 30 time off, I came up with a new personal mission statement for my life. How many, and don't that raise your hand this morning, but how many of you have a mission statement for your life? If you don't have a mission, yeah, we have one for the church, but you ought to have one for your life. And those 30 days when I was was on vacation, uh, I came up with a brand new personal mission statement for my life. And my brand new personal mission statement for my life is this. To add value to everyone and everything I encounter. That's my brand new personal missions statement. That's what I want my life to be all about. I want to add value to everyone and to everything that I encounter. See, I believe that this perspective will fuel my passion. Notice the third thing that fuels our passion, that is right pursuits. Let me just be honest with you this morning. I can't get excited about being a maintenance man or working with technology or holding some political office. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things and they all need to be done, but not by me. These pursuits would drain passion from my life. On the other hand, ask me to preach. I often preach on vacation. I didn't this time, but often when I'm on vacation, I preach somewhere. Why? Because it's not work for me to preach. It's work for me to prepare, but it's not work for me to preach. I love to preach. There is preach in me. And so even when I'm on vacation, sometimes I will preach. Like a bricklayer that'll lay brick on his vacation. (laughs) Yeah, ask me to preach or ask me to teach. 
Ask me to teach about leadership. Ask me to teach about finance. Ask me to teach about marriage. Or ask me to raise money for missions. Or ask me to raise money for a special missions, missions project. And this will fuel my passion. Ask me to speak into the life of a young minister. And it will fuel my passion. Here's my advice to some of you here this morning. And that is soar with your strengths. Figure out what you are good at. What is it that you love to do? What other people say you're good at? What fulfills you? What you excel at? Excel at, And then figure out a way to get paid for doing it. See, see, you can either struggle with your weaknesses or you can soar with your strengths. You can find somebody to help you with your weaknesses. I got them all around me. Amen. See, what we need to understand is that on Judgment Day, God is not going to ask us what we did for Him, but God is going to ask us if we did for Him what He equipped us to do. That's good. Right, right perspective will fuel your passion. All right, we, we talked about the fuel of passion. Let's take a moment now this morning. Let's talk about, let's talk about the fruit of passion. Say the fruit. Proverbs, Proverbs 15 and 15 says, He who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. The Mike Benson paraphrase of this verse would be, people of passion will party through life. See, the truth of the matter is, life is what we make it out to be. Most of our circumstances are created by the choices we have made. You might say, Pastor, my mate. Pastor, my job, pastor, my ministry. Let me tell you this. You chose all of these. Every single morning when people roll out of bed, they have a choice to make. They can either either choose to say, good Lord, it's morning. Or they can say, good morning, Lord. talking about the fruit of passion right now. Write this down this morning. I don't think it's in your notes. Write it down. Sweet fruit will appear on the tree of passion. Proverbs 15 and 15 again. Don't worry about the lights. Come on. Proverbs 15 and 15 again. He who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Let me suggest three attributes of a passionate person. First of all, let me suggest that passionate people add excitement everywhere they go. I'm a third of the way through my sermon. You could jump in at any time. (laughs) Passionate people add excitement everywhere they go. Now, for the rest of the message this morning, I I want to use uh, two men in the Bible as examples of passionate people. People. And the two men that I'm talking about this morning, I'm talking about David and I'm talking about Peter. I'm talking about David when he stood before the giant Goliath. I'm talking about Peter when he got out of the boat and he walked on the water. So keep those two stories in mind this morning. David and Peter, these were men of 
passion. I suggest to you that these men were doers. These men were movers and shakers. And they added excitement everywhere they went. When David showed up, it was no longer business as usual, but David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And when all of the other disciples were saying it can't be done, Peter was not only saying it could be done, but you will find Peter was already out there on the water getting it done. Passionate people add excitement everywhere they go. I love the story about Eugene Ormandy. Eugene Ormandy was a conductor for the Philadelphia Orchestra. And the story is told that he got so excited conducting his orchestra that he dislocated his shoulder. Now that's some passion. You might say, Pastor, Pastor, why do you, why do you put so much energy into your, into your preaching? Because I have passion for what I'm doing. If I didn't have passion for what I was doing, I would do something else. I would do what brought me passion. I'm not saying that every preacher has to foam at the mouth like I do, but give me a preacher, amen, that is excited. Give me a preacher, amen, that, that is on fire. Give me a preacher, amen, amen, that, that is excited about his message. Listen, if I can't get excited about my message, I can't get you excited about it. Pastor, why do, you, why do you use so much energy in your preaching? Because I have, I have passion for what I do. John Wesley said, set yourself on fire and people will come out and watch you burn. Jeremiah said, ah, oh, he said his word, the word of God was in my heart like a fire and it was burning so hot I could not contain it. Passionate people add excitement everywhere they go. Let me suggest this also this morning, and that is passionate people experience what other people only dream about. Back to David and Peter. Passion got David off of the sidelines and into the game. It took him from being simply a lowly shepherd boy and mistreated little brother to becoming a giant killer and eventually a king. See, whoever was willing to fight the giant would be rewarded with the hand of the king's daughter and the privileges that came along with being the son-in-law of the king. No doubt David's brothers dreamed about this happening to them, but it was David and only David that was willing to answer the bell and fight the giant. Passionate people experience what other people only dream about. The same was true with Peter while the other 11 disciples remained in the boat and said all the reasons why no one should ever try to walk on the water. Peter was out there on the, on the water doing the moonwalk with Jesus. Peter was the only disciple that could list water walker on his resume. Passionate people experience what other people only dream about. Let me suggest this as well this morning. That is, passionate people excel beyond their peers. Such was the case with David. So was the case with Peter. David, the youngest brother, the last one of the boys, the last one that should become king. David, the youngest brother, became king. Peter Peter was chosen to preach the very first general council on the day of Pentecost and became one of the top two leaders of the early church. Passionate people excel beyond their peers. 
talking about the secret sauce of a fulfilling life. And let me suggest to you this morning, it's not brains, it's not talent, it's not a person's pedigree, it's not power, it's not possessions, it's not position, it's passion. Passion. It's a person that gets up every single morning and says, good morning, Lord, what do you have planned for me today? It's a person who discovers their purpose in life and then passionately pursues it. It's people who who surround themselves with right people and develop a right perspective and involve themselves in right pursuits. These kinds of people will enjoy the fruit of passion. All right, we've talked about the fuel of passion. We've talked about the fruit of passion. Real quickly this morning, I want us to talk about the flight of passion. See, even passionate people struggle with maintaining passion. Proverbs 17 and 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. I want to suggest three ways that passion can be lost. We suggest, first of all, the passion flees when we become careless. Careless. It happened with David. It happened with Peter. Notice in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse number 1, it says that it happened. Say it happened. It happened. When did it happen? It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Say when kings go out to battle. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. But, say but. But David remained at Jerusalem. David got careless. He began, listen, this is really good, and write this down this morning. He, he began to enjoy his rights as a king so much that he forgot about his responsibilities as a king. Sometimes we get so enamored with our rights, we forget about our responsibilities. There's some professional athletes that need to hear this this morning. They're awesome. They're incredible until we ruin them with a multi-million dollar contract. And all of a sudden it's all about their rights and not about their responsibilities. And David, he began to enjoy all of his rights as king. And he, invite, he liked it and, and, and got so enamored with him so much that he forgot about the responsibilities as a king. See, one of the reasons why he failed morally was because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. It was in the spring of the year. What happens in the spring of the year? In the spring of the year is when the kings would lead his armies into battle. But instead of leading his army into battle, David was all about his rights and not all about his responsibilities. And so he stayed home with the luxuries that came to him as a king Instead of going and doing battle and leading his men into battle as his responsibility was. See, if David had been where he was supposed to be, which was leading his men into battle, he would never have been tempted with Bathsheba's beauty because he never would have even seen her. 
And how about Peter? Hey, we like to talk about Peter and we like to make fun of him because he, because he nearly drowned. But what we need to understand is Peter is the only one of the twelve that was willing to get out of the boat. Peter was the only one that would try. And actually, not only did he try, but he actually, he actually walked on the water. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water, but Peter got careless. He got careless and he took his eyes off of Jesus. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he immediately saw the waves and he immediately felt the winds and down he went. See, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we immediately see the obstacles. As long as our eyes are focused upon Jesus, the obstacles, the wind blowing and the, and the waves rolling, they don't bother us. It wasn't bothering Peter. Nothing, nothing had changed in his circumstance. The only thing that changed was he stopped focusing upon Jesus and started focusing upon the situation. And when he started focusing on the situation instead of Jesus, only then did he allow his circumstances to bring him down. See, we will either keep our eyes on Jesus, which will give us the courage to walk on top of our circumstances, or we can take our eyes off of Jesus, and our circumstances will take us down and nearly drown us nearly every time. It's our choice. I'm talking about the flight of passion right now. Passion flees when we become careless. And let me suggest also that passion flees when we become too cautious. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that you take reckless chances. But listen, listen. All too often, age and sometimes bad past experiences cause us to become overly cautious. I ask you this morning, what happened to the passion of Peter when they tried to identify him as a disciple of Jesus and threatened to, uh, to arrest him for, for being a disciple? This passionate man who earlier had boasted that he would never deny, not deny his Lord, that he would even go to prison before he would deny Jesus. Why? Why, he even boasted that he would even die for Jesus before he would, before he would deny him. Now he becomes overly cautious. Let me suggest this morning passion flees when we become too cautious. Let me tell you what happens when we become too cautious. When we become too cautious, we start making, or excuse me, let me say it again. When we become too cautious, we start marking our territory. We become territorial. We start guarding our stuff. We become fearful of losing our position. We give up a promising future to guarantee ourselves a secure present. But let me suggest that when we do this, it takes a little piece of our soul. Passion flees when we become too cautious. And, and finally this morning, let me suggest that passion flees when we become covetous. Covetous. David was king. He already had everything he should ever need. He already had everything he should ever want. But David became covetous. He coveted Uriah's wife. 
David already had a beautiful wife. He was a king. The king gets first pick. But hear me this morning, the beauty that David didn't have blinded him to the beauty he did have. That's good. I'm going to say it again this morning. You don't seem to be getting it. The beauty that David didn't have blinded him to the beauty that he did have. Write this down this morning. When we start focusing on what we don't have, it causes us to lose passion for what we do have. See, true happiness is not found in getting everything you want. Rather, it is found in wanting what you already have. And here's what I believe. I believe it with all of my heart this morning. And this is, I believe that if you cannot be happy, if you cannot be satisfied with what you have, you won't be happy, you won't be satisfied once you get what you don't have fact of the matter is today you have what you said yesterday if I would only have that in my future I'd be happy today you have what yesterday you said you would need to have in order to be happy today you have it but instead of being happy today you say but if only I had that that's in my future only if I had that only then would I be happy if you cannot be happy if you cannot be content if you cannot be satisfied with what you do have, you will not be happy. You will not be content. You will not be satisfied once you get what you don't have. I didn't expect you to shot me down on that one, all right? Let me ask you this question this morning. Did Bathsheba compliment David's life or complicate it? The takeaway for the message this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 10, whatever your hand finds to do it, do whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. The Benson paraphrase is this, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing with passion. Because passion is the secret sauce contained in a fulfilling life. Let me say one last thing this morning, and that is life tastes better when you add the secret sauce. Amen? Amen. We'll give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, it's all right. Or a dribbling, it's all right. Father, thank you for your incredible word today. God, I believe today that This word is for someone here this morning, several someones here today, perhaps. Perhaps there are people, Lord, that have lost their passion for whatever it might be, maybe even their passion for you, Lord. Maybe it's just their passion for life. God, I pray today that they will examine the fuel, what they are putting in their life, See whether it is fueling passion or pessimism. Who are those people in their lives? Are they people that prop them up or people that tear them down? Are they people that encourage them or are they people that discourage them? Are there people in their lives that tell them all the reasons why they can or all the reasons why they can't? 
May they examine their perspective today. Maybe it's in their pursuits. Maybe their life's work does not align with their gifts, their talents, and their abilities. It's hard to get excited about something that is not aligned with the gifts and talents and abilities that have been given to us by God. Maybe it's simply because they no longer look and appreciate and thank you for the things that you have given them, but all they can see is all of the things that they don't have, all the things that everybody else seems to have. Everybody else seems to be doing it. Everybody else seems to be, seems to be happening for everybody else, but it's not happening for me. But, but there are things that are happening in your life. God is good to you. God is doing things in your life. Maybe you're not focusing on the right things. 